Oftentimes we spend a lot of time remembering things. Uh, I was just talking with my wife. I was remembering my first date ever. I was uh, 14 years old, and it was homecoming. I was a part of the varsity soccer team, and so the varsity soccer coach said to me, you have to take someone to homecoming. So I asked a girl, and we went. Now you say, well, why do you remember that first date? So I can not forget. Because that first date could not have gone any badly than it did. I went out with her in 1974. I haven't spoken to her since. <laughs> I dated in 1974. I date, didn't date again until 1977. So that kind of gives you an idea of how it went. My grandmother had told me uh, every morning, my grandmother used to make for me uh, cream of wheat. Now, cream of wheat, there has to be a special technique to cream of wheat because if you don't do it right, there are lumps. And don't try to hide the lumps with, you know, nuts or raisins. That doesn't work. The the lumps are lumps. And so my grandmother had always said to me, find a a woman who can fix cream of wheat without lumps and you're good to go. So 14-year-old me said to the girl in the car as we're driving, do you know how to make cream of wheat? (laughs) And my sister, I, I, I was raised in a house with my... A grandmother, my mother, and my three sisters. And one of my sisters had helped me get ready for that date. And as she was putting on my suit coat, she said to me, she said, now don't take this off because she said, you may sweat and you, you, know, you might have marks and so just keep your suit coat on and no one will see that. Well, I noticed that the girl that I was with, it was kind of hot. I was sweating, but she wasn't. So I said to her, man, you don't sweat much, do you? <laughs> So we remember sometimes so we don't forget, right? (laughs) This morning we're trying to remember two things. The first thing is the importance of God's word. The second thing is the importance of the cross. So this morning, if you'll open your Bible to Psalm 19, we will start looking at the importance of God's word. In Psalm 19, verse 1, it says that the majesty of God or the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaim his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heart." Psalm 19, verses 1 through 6, it's all about the majesty of God's work. The majesty of God's work. God reveals himself in creation. God reveals himself to us so that we know him and we are aware of him because of creation. Uh, The psalmist uses the very simple name for God. He uses El in those first six verses. He's talking about God creating. And God is all about revealing himself through creation. Uh, My drive up here, I'm able to see the wonders of his creation. The marvelousness of having been here uh, sometime in the summer to see the change of the trees and all those kinds of things. The beauty of God's creation is very evident and obvious to you as we talk about uh, crops and, and things that grow. The evidence is there. And then in verse 7, there's a transition. 
And the transition in verse 7 is from the majesty of God's work to the majesty of God's words. That's the change. The other change is six times in three verses, he says, of the Lord, of the Lord, of the Lord, six times. And he changes from the simple L, God, the Creator, to the, to the Yahweh, to the, the relational, revelational God. And so he begins to help us to understand that these words of God are a part of the relationship that we have with Him. So we can see the creation of God, but we can experience the words of God because of who Jehovah is and what He has revealed to us. So the importance of God's Word is on full display in Psalm 19, verses 7-9. through 9. So this morning, let's find three reasons God's Word is important. The first reason is found in verse 7. God's Word is so important because it converts the sinner. Look at verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The law, the teachings. Please don't, when you see the word law, don't think Ten Commandments. Instead, uh, become a Hebrew and think Torah. Think Torah, which Torah is principles for living. It's all about God's will revealed in God's Word. It's all about teaching the nature of God and His Word and revealing Himself through His Word. Uh, Scripture, God teaching, God instructing, He is the source of this divine teaching. Because remember, six times, of the Lord, of the Lord. The law of the Lord. It's God who is sharing these things. This morning in our scripture reading, in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, verse, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may con- discern what is the will of God and what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Verse 2 of Romans 12 talks about the perfect will of God. We're talking about the perfect word of God. The will of God is perfect. The word of God is perfect. The idea of perfect perfect is complete. It covers all sides. So when you get the word of God, everything is there for you. I've shared with you before that I have a son in Indianapolis that is a chef. And he takes his places. And one of the places he takes us, we get this thing called pozole. It is a Mexican stew that has pork and corn and red chilies and all that, and it's delicious. And I order pozole. I don't say, remember, chef, you need to make sure there's corn in there, make sure you season it, make sure you... Don't forget, don't... There's none of that. Because the chef knows exactly what he's doing, and so he sends the meal out complete. It's perfect. That's the Word of God. We don't need to say to God, well, don't forget. Don't forget to add, uh, God, did you... We don't need to do that. Instead, the the Word of God, the law of God, is perfect, complete. We don't add anything. You see, the Bible covers it all, especially when it comes to converting the soul, when it comes to changing someone's life. We love 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good word. A marvelous truth about God's word. But Paul, in verse 15, says this to Timothy. He says, 
He says to him, he says, How from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writing, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The Word of God is complete. It is able to make you a believer, a follower of Christ, that can then experience all of these things that the Word of God has to offer. The Word of God is complete. Look what he says there. He says, it is complete restoring or converting, as the old King James used to say. Uh, The Word of God is all about restoring the soul, the inner man, the real me, the person, the whole person that I am. Teachings of the Lord restore, they convert, they revive, they make new. Peter believed this. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, Peter said this, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. Conversion, change, transformation. It happens because of the word of God. Change, transformation. James says it too. He says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. Living and abiding word of God, the word of truth, transforms, converts, restores. You see, this morning, uh, those that are lost can be found because of the word of God. Those that are blind can see because of the word of God. Those that are dead can be made alive because of the word of God. The word of God converts the sinner. We need to pause just for a moment. Because sometimes what happens in society and culture is we are so often inundated with this message that you're just really a good person. So all you need is just a little buffing up and cleaning up and then you can be better. That's not what we're offering this morning. We are offering a transformation, a conversion, a change. We are not offering to take you from being good to being better. We are offering to take you from being hopeless to being hopeful. We are offering to take you from being dead to being alive. Because that's what the Word of God does. The Word of God changes you completely. You see, we need to understand that He provides these things for us in His Word to change us, to make us different. Notice what else he says in verse 7. He says, the testimony or the revelation about God is affirmed by God himself. He says, the testimony is sure, making wise the simple. That word simple literally means an open door. You know, someone that's simple, they leave the door open all the time. When I was a kid, that's, I heard that all the time. Shut the door, I'm not heating the outside, right? Shut the door, you weren't born in a barn, Right? Shutting the door so that you can have discernment and understanding. There are some things that don't need to come into your mind. And so what the Word of God does is it shuts the door. It takes you from being simple to being wise. The testimonies of the Lord. It makes the simple wise. You want to be skilled in living? You want to be skilled in being a follower of Christ? The Word of God does that for you. You say, well, brother, you're preaching to the choir. This is Grace Chapel, West Liberty. We are built on the Word of God. We are founded on the Word of God. The Word of God means everything to us, so this is a bit redundant. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that the Word of God does these things? Or or do you think maybe we should talk about issues and social justice things just a little bit more? 
Or do you think maybe there should be some more of, of, of a political bent that we need to be aware of? Or maybe we need to change the music so everybody is feeling welcomed in here. Or, or maybe, maybe if we could just make uh, you know, some bells and whistles and lights flashing and things, maybe that would draw people in. Or do you truly believe that the proclamation of the powerful Word of God will draw people to Christ and will change their lives. This morning, he says to us, don't forget the importance of the Word of God. The Word of God converts the sinner. Remember Saul? Saul was the guy that sat and collected the coats when Stephen was stoned. Saul was the guy that was breathing out threatenings against the Christians. Saul was the guy that was holding on to the letters that gave him the authority to go and kill Christians. Remember that guy? He was the guy that then heard the words of God and was completely transformed into Paul, who then wrote for us the 13 epistles that helped us to create a foundation for what it is we're doing today. Do you believe in the power of the words of God? They convert the sinner. They convert the sinner. So the importance of the word of God, not only does it convert the sinner, but it also counsels the saints. Counsels the saints. Look at verse 8. Verse 8, it says, The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. It says the precepts of the Lord are right. The precepts. This is, again, this is all about living. How am I going to live? What are the precepts that I need to judge my life by? What are the guidelines? Uh, they are right. And when he talks about they are right, it's they lay down the right pathway. So you want to know what way to walk? Then read the Word of God because it counsels the saint into walking right. Uh, a, a companion text to Psalm 19 is Psalm 119. And in Psalm 119, verse 27, it says this, Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous work. They are right because they proceed from the absolute upright will of God. The words of God are right because it's God that's saying them. Remember, of the Lord. Of the Lord. These are all coming from the Lord. He is telling us the precepts of the Lord are right. And do you see what happens when you're on the right path? They are rejoicing the heart. Joy. Joy of of knowing, that deep-seated internal joy comes from reading the Word of God, from understanding what God's Word says. The Word of God tells us where we are going and what we are to do. That's what the psalmist is telling us. Sometimes we, we think there needs to be something outside the bounds that will give me a thrill and give me the joy of living. Uh, I, I think I shared this with you the last time I was here. I have a new role at the school where I'm teaching. I'm, I have some administrative duties. And I have several times to say to students, if you just do what you are asked to do, you'll enjoy being at school. But if you aren't doing what you're supposed to be doing, that's when the trouble comes and you and I have a conversation. The reality is when we do what is right, that's when our hearts are full of joy That's when we know that God is uh, interested in having us do what we want to do. One of the things that I I have been told from the beginning of any ministry that I've ever been a part of is that information is king. And informed people is a happy people. 
If you know what's going on, you're happy. You aren't questioning. You aren't wondering. And the Word of God is that thing that is informative, that can tell you what it is that you need to be doing so that you can experience the joy of living. Jeremiah the prophet says this, he says, Your words were found and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. This from a man whose message had been rejected over and over. This from a man who has personal pressure upon him because of his failed ministry, but yet he says of the words of the Lord, They are my joy, my joy and my delight. This morning, if you are not experiencing joy, perhaps you might want to look at your habit. Is my habit to read the Word of God so that I can experience the joy of knowing Him? Or is my habit to find joy somewhere else? Again, in Psalm 119, the psalmist says this in verse 14, In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. See what the psalmist is saying there? He's saying the words of God are more joyful to me than all of the riches. The materialism that the world oftentimes attracts us to, robs us of joy. It doesn't give us joy. Uh, Instead of being content and enjoying what we have, we think, well, what's the next thing? What's the next possession? What's the, the next level that I need to get to? But there is joy in the words of God, reading them and understanding. There is a relief in knowing, a satisfaction that comes of knowing what it is the Word of God has for us. Notice what else he says in verse He says, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The commandment, the the sovereign obligations. Uh, John MacArthur said this of of that word. He says, they are binding authoritative commandments. Everybody relax. Everybody take a breath. I know I'm talking about commandments and rules. Nobody likes that. But you have to understand of the Lord. They're from the Lord. And so that means that they are not going to be burdensome or inhibiting. Instead, what they are going to be is revelational and enlightening. They are going to uh, allow us to experience all that God has for us. He says the commandments are pure. They're clear. The commandments are not confusing or, or puzzling. Too many times we are like the serpent in the garden, aren't we? Remember the ser- serpent in the garden with Adam and Eve? What did he say? Did God really say that? Is that really what that means? And so what happens is the fuzzy part of Scripture comes because of us. Because we don't want it to be clear. Because when it's clear, we then have to obey it. So let's make it fuzzy. Let's make it fuzzy. I I love the way he he says this here. He says, uh, it is pure, enlightening the eyes. Enlightening the eyes. Uh, Several years ago, I was uh, experiencing some headaches. And they would start in the morning and they would last throughout the day. And then at night, they would get better. And I went to my mom and I said, I think I'm dying. And my mom said, you're not dying. And she said, go to the eye doctor. Maybe you have a problem with your eyes. So I went to the eye doctor and sure enough, the eye doctor, what he did was he said, hey, listen, you've got your contacts in the wrong eyes. (laughs) And so that's why... The headaches didn't start till late morning, and that's why they would end at night, because you take your contacts out and you're feeling better. Enlightened eyes. When your eyes are right, everything else is right. 
You aren't experiencing the headaches and the heartaches. And that's what he's saying here. He says the commandments of the Lord are pure. They're clear. They enlighten your eyes. They allow you to be able to see what it is that you can enjoy. The pleasures that are there for you. The ones that are approved of God. That instead of making you cower and hide because you've done something wrong, they make you be proud and thrilled that God has chosen you to be a part of this marvelous thing called the kingdom of God. Commandments of the Lord uh, are pure, enlightening the eyes. Uh, I'm a school teacher, so I have to talk about my students. I apologize if you get tired of hearing about them, but they are so important to me. Part of the thing that happens to them is they get off track. They want to they get off on the issues. You know, they want to talk about things that, that, that don't really matter until you get to a relationship with God. And so I, I can't tell you how many times I, I ask them to, to, to just please just wait for the debate and engage the Word of God. Read the Word of God. The, the conversation often ends when you say, how often do you read Scripture? You know, if you're going to beat it up, then at least read it. Too many times, no one's reading the Word of God, but yet they have an opinion on it. And sometimes I think people don't read the Word of God because they are afraid of the Word of God. Because the Word of God is a lion. You just have to let it loose and it will devour your soul. This morning, the importance of the Word of God is that it counsels the saints. Now be careful here. Don't get tripped up. Because sometimes we want details, and the Word of God does not give us details. The Word of God gives us direction. Like, for example, I married Linda Moody. That name does not appear anywhere in Scripture. There's no place. I went to Cedarville University... Nowhere in the Word of God does it say Cedarville University. God does not give us details. He gives us directions. He says, go and do and be. And because of the directions that he gives us, then the details can work themselves out. Should I be with? Should I go where? The Bible's not going to say, don't go to that place. But the Bible's going to say, this is your heart. Guard it. So if you're going to go there and your heart's going to be torn by it, don't go there. Does that make sense? It's not about the details. So don't get hung up on the details. Instead, understand the directions that God has for us in His Word. And because of His Word and the, de- the direction that He points us in, then we can fill in the details. So the Word of God is important to us because it converts the sinner and because it counsels the saint We are remembering the importance of God's Word this morning. Take your Bibles and look at verse 9 of Psalm 19. In verse uh, verse 9 of chapter 19, it gives us reason number 3. And reason number 3 is it comforts the soul. It comforts the soul. Verse 9, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Uh, This word... Fear of the Lord. Uh, Interesting way to describe the words of God, isn't it? Uh, We kind of can see the law, the commandments, we precepts, we kind of get that, but then all of a sudden he says fear. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The fear, it is this reverential awe. It is an awe-inspiring thing, the words of God. 
I, I attended a church, and the guy that was the pastor there, his name was Jonathan Burnham. And Jonathan Burnham was the son of Dave Burnham, who was a pastor in the Akron area and uh, had a church called the Chapel, and he was a, a tremendous influence. And Jonathan was talking about when he was a little boy one time, his dad had forgotten his Bible on the pulpit. And so he sent Jonathan back in to go up on the platform and to take his Bible off of the podium or uh, the, the speaker there. And Jonathan described his fear as a little boy of even approaching the platform and then having to approach the podium and then having to get close to the words of God, the Bible, because that's what his dad had used. That might be taking it a little too far, right? We're not afraid. We're not afraid of the words of God. We are in awe of the words of God. You know, you have seen things that have created you or have caused you to drop your jaw. That's what the word of God is. It, you, it's jaw-dropping because of what it's able to accomplish and do. It can bring comfort to a broken soul. It can bring comfort beyond which we ever could imagine. Uh, The Word of God is awe-inspiring. And it says the fear of the Lord is clean. It's absent of any imperfection. There is no evil, nothing corrupt. Psalm chapter 12, verse 6 says this, The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace, purified seven times that's pure there's nothing in the word of god that is defiling but everything in the word of god is clean and pure and awe-inspiring and notice he says that it endures forever it endures forever think about the, the time period in which this was written with david think about how the the kings came and go, came and went even for, for David, he had experienced, well, here's Saul, oh, now it's me, now, nope, now is it going to be absolute? Wait, who's it going to be? Men come and go. The kingdoms slip and slide. But the word of God endures forever. So the question then is, what are you really hanging your hat on? Are you hanging your hat on the awesome words of God or on the hope of somebody else that's going to run or some other election or some... The words of God, they inspire all. They are clean, enduring forever. Uh, They are comforting. They are comforting. It is comforting to know that we have such powerful resource in the Lord, isn't it? That we have this available to us. Psalm 119, verse 50 says this, This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. Your promise gives me life. Uh, The last time that I was together, and I uh, apologize if this is too personal, but um, uh, I talked about my mom the last time I was here. My mom was in a nursing care facility being rehabbed. She has since stepped from this life into the next life. She is in glory right now. And one of the things that she used to say to me when I would come and visit her, she would say, read the Psalms to me. You know why she, she wanted that? Because it comforts your soul. The words of God are awesome. I used to take three-by-five cards with a scripture on them, and her two favorite were this, Hebrews 9.27. It says, And just as it appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Die once, judgment. We get to be with the Lord. Her other one that she loved on a three-by-five card was 2 Corinthians 5.8. It says this, Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Comforting from the awe-inspiring words of God. 
Are you willing to understand that this morning? Are you willing to remember the importance of God's word? They comfort the soul. Notice what else the psalmist writes here. He says the judgments, the verdicts are true. The verdict from the divine bench are true. Uh, They are altogether comprehensively right. The judgments are true. No injustices, no mistakes. They are true. Never hesitate with God's word. It is dependable, relevant, applicable. Don't deny that. Don't hesitate to grab hold of it. The judgments are true. One of the most profound things I ever heard was from a lady on Mother's Day. She had lost her grandson the previous Mother's Day, and I said to her, I said, how are you doing on Mother's Day? And she said, God doesn't make mistakes. The judgments of God are true. He is the judge. One of the classes that I teach in school is Advanced Placement, United States Government and Politics. That's one of my classes I teach. And uh, I have had occasion to travel then and grade the AP exam. If you know anything about AP, the exam in May, you, you take the exam, and then it's graded, and you get college credit or not. And so I have been in uh, Salt Lake City is where we did it, when we grade those exams. And they would often have, like, these little symposiums uh, to try to give us a little professional development. And one of them that I attended was the debate about the Supreme Court. Supreme Court, do we debate? Should we elect Supreme Court justices? Because you know now, Supreme Court justices are appointed by the president and approved by the, uh, the legislature or the Congress, right? Uh, or should they be on an 18-year term? Right now, once you're a Supreme Court justice, it's a lifetime term. Uh, someone even said, well, maybe what we should do is we should have just a nine-year term and then they're out. Uh, someone else debated, well, is nine justices really enough? Maybe we should have more to represent a greater breadth of people debating all about the Supreme Court. Well, this morning there is no debate about who the truly Supreme Court justice is. There is no debate about who the chief justice of the court is. There is no debate about the the righteous, reliable, immutable judge who wraps his gavel in judgment and his judgments are true and right. This morning I am hopeful that the word of God is important to you because it converts the sinner It counsels the saint, and it comforts your soul. Can we just review just a little bit here? Notice what Paul says. The psalmist says, he says, the importance of the word of God, it says the word of God is called the law, the testimony, the statutes, the commandments, the fear, the judgments. It says the word of God is characterized as perfect, as sure, as right, as pure, as clean, and true. It says the benefits of the word of God is it converts, it makes wise, it brings rejoicing, it enlightens the eyes, it endures, and it produces righteousness. You see, that's what the judgments of God do. They produce righteousness. Do you see all of the things that the word of God does? No wonder it's important, right? Look at what it's able to do and to accomplish. We need to remember the importance of the word of God. The word of God and what it's able to do. It's no wonder that Paul... In Colossians, do you remember what he said to the Colossian people? He said to them, he said, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Well, of course. After all of this evidence of its importance, Paul's right. We need to let it dwell in us richly. 
So then the question is, well, how, how do I do that? How do I make the Word of God important? I do not want to oversimplify things. But the best way to make the Word of God important in your life is to read it. (laughs) Is to read it. I wish you would have known my Aunt Lizzie. My Aunt Lizzie weighed maybe 80 pounds. She was about 5 feet tall. She lived in the southern part of Kentucky and I would go visit her in the summers. And usually the reason she weighed 80 pounds is because she was carrying something. She was either carrying a a pail of water because there was this uh, well and she would drop the bucket down into the well and she would get water for that. So that usually tipped the scales in her favor to a greater height. She was carrying something all the time, doing something all the time. She was an incredible woman. One day there was a complaint from the neighbor uh, who said that there was a black snake eating his chicks. And my Aunt Lizzie grabbed a, a hoe, you know, a garden hoe, and went walking out, and I saw her walking, and she left with the garden hoe. She came back with the black snake hanging on the end of it. <laughs> I wish you could have met her. And one of the greatest things she left for me was she said to me, you need to read your Bible every morning. And so every morning I was at her house. She had this Bible that was bigger than her that she laid down in front of me and would not let me go until I had read something in the Word of God. This morning, the Word of God is important, but we need to read it in order for it to sink into where it is that God wants it to be. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity that is ours to open the Word of God, the opportunity that is ours to be a part of knowing you because of the words of God. Father, we ask that if there is someone here who does not know you as their Savior, allow your Spirit to prompt them so that they will come to your Son and be interested in His words. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.